If you've ever played a game that was originally in a foreign language, say Japanese, or you've watched a film that was overdubbed or subtitled or really consumed any kind of foreign language media, you will have encountered the topic of today's episode of Octal FM, which is translation versus localization. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefran. And today we have a topic, well, potentially, I think, a, well, definitely a start of a set of episodes about a topic that you are very passionate about and mm. is also something that is very relevant to a couple of the topics that we talk about, video games and anime, mm. um, but also is something that I think isn't necessarily dived into that much or people don't necessarily think about that much even though they've probably experienced some of the problems or the challenges around this particular topic Uh, and that is the difference between translation and localization uh, which initially may sound very dry but i promise you it's interesting i think you made a great point just then actually is that you'll have only really noticed this when it's gone wrong because if it's Mm. done well you shouldn't notice it at all Mm. yeah exactly exactly um and you know i've certainly been seeing you know some of this when i'm in some of the animes i've been watching you know when i Mm. flop you know if i swap between english and japanese for example uh, and also i think what really spurred us to talk about this sooner rather than later was that you were playing um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, mm, right? That and, was definitely the the focal point for this, yeah. You said that this was a big issue for that game. I felt it was. You Some felt people that it disagree. Was. You felt that it was. And so so why don't you start off by explaining what what, we're t- what are we talking about here? When we say localization versus translation, they kind of sound like the same thing, right? Like it, mm, it feels do. like it's the same... It's just two words for the same thing, but they, they're very different. Yes, they are quite different. And there's a whole discussion to be had around how they interact with each other and the relationship with each other, but they're also very independent of one another as well. Um, so, well, like you've already mentioned, I'm going to primarily be talking, when I'm talking about this, as in the focus of games, hmm. because... This could be applied to literally anything that has content in another language Mm. or cultural setting Mm. being taken into another setting. So obviously the two ones you've already mentioned that are important to both of us is games and anime. And that's a big one in the sense that like, you know, a lot of content is brought over from Japanese into English and Mm. other languages. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be anything. It could be books. It could be movies. It could be products you know it's like for example mm. when you get like i don't know a german product and it's being mm. brought over into america you know you have to translate and localize that product mm. i feel like for um for like films and, and books and stuff i feel like video games is where it's a larger issue because mm. i think that a lot of times there can be ambiguity about the setting for a video mm. game in the sense that you know if there's if a japanese film right or or japanese book like the setting that it's in whether it's japan or not or the way that it's written if you're translating it or you're local you you're more likely to translate it right because it's that is the 
the medium of what it is like if it's a book or if it's a film yeah like it's it's quite precise like there's yeah. there's no there's less ambiguity i guess there yeah. might be because you're telling a very specific direct experience exactly whereas with with video games there's a, especially because so many video games come out of japan you know but that doesn't necessarily they're not all set in japan and some of them no. have japanese influences and some of them don't some of them have some japanese influences you know it's mm. sort of a real because it's a real like blending pot i think video games of stuff it can really be kind of like missed or, or not treated in the right way when games are then localized or translated mm. And that was one of the notes I made is that this is less of an issue in anime. And obviously anime and mm. games have a very close relationship to each other, both mm. for us, but just in general as well. They're kind of intertwined in a lot of ways. And that is because anime is more of a straightforward experience. You know, mm. you are being told that story of video games aren't quite like that. Um, so oftentimes you'll see that like when an anime is translated and even localized when it's say dubbed over into a different language, specifically English, mm. there's usually less of a disconnect between the two versions now. Whereas in video games, it can be hugely different, like variations and, uh, and intensities of difference. Yeah. Um, so everything we're going to say in this episode can be applied to kind of all aspects of localization and translation of anything, be it like media or physical product or anything. But we are primarily looking at video games in this mm. instance. And um, we're also primarily talking about Japanese into English, right? Like, yes, like obviously, yeah. like you said, it applies to any situation. But for video games, that's the kind of real primary sort of example of this is where a lot of the kind of confusion comes about or where you know particularly situations where this has been handled in negatively or particularly positively it's yes. usually pointed out or sort of like emphasized when thinking about games coming from japan right a big reason for that direction of conversation as well is that oftentimes i've found that any media that's consumed in japan from an english setting be it american or british or mm. whatever is usually consumed a lot more as is mm. and they will usually just say like leave the original voice work over and then they will just dub over japanese voice work mm. and it's it's usually a quite direct sort of process there's, mm. there's a lot less emphasis on localization i feel mm. now, that's not always true obviously i'm not uh, that is quite a general statement so just to clarify that but that's why we're talking primarily about japanese into english in that direction rather than the reverse direction mm. and another aspect that i think is important to, to just acknowledge as well is that the reason also i'm not taking up any other languages in this situation be it like say japanese into i don't know german or japanese into chinese or something is because i just don't know much about that like quite mm. honestly i'm sure there's a whole other set of episode topics you could discuss about that if you were knowledgeable of those languages but because I'm not, I'm not going to even pretend like I am and I'm not going to try and bullshit my way through it. Because <laughs> um, there's a whole section that like, you could discuss about like, you know, translating and localizing content from different cultures that are completely independent of this discussion of English into Japanese. Like I've, I could put, say, Korean into Chinese or Russian into Arabic, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that there are a whole host of interesting topics, discussions there, but I just don't know anything about it. Mm. So it would just be me guessing, <laughs> which is not interesting. <laughs> Why do you think that content from from the west or from, from like an english setting um being consumed in japan is so much more as is than the other way around like why why is this even something that we're talking about i think it's probably just because japan influence it was influenced a lot by the west from sort of like you know a, a long time ago now but 
the media it consumes, it kind of wants it as as the media was to kind of get an idea and to consume the culture of that culture. Right. Whereas I feel like for the longest time, and this is going to come up later when we talk about sort of the history of the process, is that most content or anything really, not even just anime or games, but like TV shows and books, etc., that were almost all that were brought over, say, from Japan to the Western world of, of be it English speaking or like, you know, European based languages, mm. was often done so for the sake of basically changing it into a different product right like so the example i've used much later on i can use now for example is um like power rangers right use power rangers as the example Mm. power rangers is a japanese tv show called super sentai sort of in the sense that like the original show is a japanese show which is all the stuff that you see with like the martial arts and the fighting and the like the you know the transformations and stuff right but the school aspect of it when they're all in school sort of like you know doing like the dawson's creek sort of thing they they do that's all original english content that was created after the fact Mm. and they've kind of melded the two together so they had no intention of using that japanese content as is they were just simply using it and co-opting it to create something different yeah really a case of like making use of that product right and like like you say like transforming it into something else mm. it's a great which i just i don't I, I, I couldn't give you a, a very distinct reason as to why that isn't the case the other way around into japanese but it's definitely not that case i find like mm. then also don't, I, I don't feel I'm, I'm gonna get like roasted for this potentially but i don't feel like they consume as much western media intentionally as we do now, we consume Japanese media intentionally. Yeah. I guess that I think also that there was a lot of like going back a long time. People just didn't believe, probably correctly, that the West would like want Japanese. Yeah, media, for sure. Right, for like sure. it was like like that. You just it's just like yeah, it just doesn't appeal. So we have to change it in order yeah. to make it appeal for um, sure because it just didn't work. Whereas now that's a little bit different, right? Which actually, if anything, complicates this more because it now does. you've got there's a lot, there's a much wider spectrum of like options, so to speak. And we're going to get into that. So yeah. let, let's kind of get into the meat of the topic, mm-hmm. right? And talking about what the two the two things mean because they're both very intertwined and related to each other. So we need to sort of explain one thing to another. And the first aspect is discussing translation. Which I think is pretty, most people will understand what, what it means to translate something, right? Yeah, it's just like where you, you're taking words in one language and you're turning them into the words in another language, right? You're mm. just like, what, what is the like one-to-one mapping? Like, what is the, what does this word in this language, what, what is the corresponding word in another language? Or Basically, phrase? yeah, exactly. And it doesn't necessarily have to be language it could be sort of anything like Mm -hmm. it's just a it's changing one form of communication into another form of communication that that can be legible for the person receiving it Mm -hmm. you know so like you could translate say for example morse code into written letters Mm. for example like that right that's a form of translation isn't it yeah 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 yeah. so when we're talking about translation that's sort of what we're meaning that's kind of like in the instance of say japanese into english this is very much a case of taking those japanese words those sentences that are being either read or written and changing them into english pretty simple pretty straightforward and for some languages it's easier than others right because Mm. if you've got if you've got languages that share some kind of common ancestry or there's something about them that it you know they're they're derivatives of each other you know then if they're very similar it's a lot easier to translate it's just like how you know a lot of you know some european languages right you can you know if you understand one you can you can almost understand quite a lot of another one because there's so many similarities that you can almost just translate it just by 
just by listening, right? Just by mm. sounds and 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 sort of intonation and and the structure of the phrases. Yeah, like the example I've given is like English into German, for example. Right. Like you can you can hear several words and mm. they will have very similar sounds or intonations or right. or combinations within a sentence. So you, you only have to hear one word and you can kind of get the rest of the gist of the sentence there yeah. and then. But that does not really apply to Japanese and English, right? <laughs> not really, no. Like there's no common ancestry unless you go back to like the dawn of like humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and even then probably not, honestly. So the two languages just don't have any overlap. And this is then the sort of the idea of like the direct translation versus our artistic translation, mm. because this is what you get when you do sort of the Google Translate, right? Like right. now, I don't want to rag on Google Translate because it is really good, even when you take into consideration the difficulties that we're talking about. Like you can use it to have a pretty good conversation with someone in, say, Japanese or, mm-hmm. or Chinese or, you know, a non, say, European, like Latin based language, Germanic language, right? But it still doesn't get it quite right. And this is why you often get the the hilarious, like, English that you Mm. see everywhere. Like, I just Googled one for for the sake of this episode. And uh, we got, to take notice of safe, that slippery are very crafty. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like a wet floor sign. Like, like, you know, uh, (laughs) caution, like, floor is wet, floor is slippy or something. But because of the way in which the translation algorithm has tried to sort of take it literally into English from Mm. Japanese. If you probably read out each individual like word or character within the Japanese, it probably does say basically that. Yeah. Yeah. But in context, it makes sense to them with their language, but in, in English, it just doesn't make really any sense at all. Like you kind of get it, but it's not, it's not real. It's not accurate. Yeah. So that's why, it's very important to make sure that when you're translating, you're taking this into consideration. Any good translator is, is sort of aware of this and they don't just do that direct translation because no. what happens when you get those direct translations is we, you get some fairly famous examples of games that have done this wrong, right? Yeah, like the um, all your base are belong to us, right? It's the, yeah, it's the, the classic. <laughs> yeah. But that happened all the time, you know, like, mm-hmm. and what it would be is just companies that wanted to put their content into the Western market didn't actually know English themselves, really. They just did a really basic translation job, and that was the end of it, you know. And I suppose that was because there was maybe less care at the point, and also there was less of a need to translate the the language properly because the gameplay was sort of like the the very main focus of it, yeah. where it didn't really matter. It's funny, isn't it? It's not even like... It's even like the very first Zelda game, for example, like the English in the, at the start, like the sort of like starting paragraph or whatever mm. is like really bad. You've yes. got like, it's dangerous to go alone, take this, which is just like, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't really make sense. Like you're being given a sword and you're being told it's dangerous to go alone. Like it's just not like. Yeah, there's like all the cryptic <laughs> hints and messages you get throughout the first two Zelda games are already cryptic enough in the original Japanese. But yeah. then when you like translate them badly, like it's like stand behind the waterfall of something to find something. Or, and it makes no sense yeah. at all with exactly. the context of the game unless you sort of know what it was trying to say originally. But all localization does start with translation it has Mm, to because without it you can't understand it full stop and simply just translating a product is usually enough in the case of say some play movies or books or even anime most of the time right Mm -hmm. but games are a little bit different and and most of the time they kind of do need localizing and i want to mention i want to say that now because 
this whole topic of conversation, you, I find comes off a little bit negative, mm-hmm. but I want to mm-hmm. preface with the fact that localization is a necessity a lot of the time. Yeah. It just needs to be done right. So, so what, what is localization? When we keep saying that term, what is it? Um, oh, putting me on the spot. <laughs> the, the difference like the difference between translation and localization is kind of the the word kind of gives it away like you're making something suitable for its location it's locale mm. like so it's it's changing aspects of something to be more relevant or have like fit into a particular you know to a particular culture or mm. you know taking away the things that don't not taking away, but like changing the things that don't mean anything in one culture or or confusing or or not understood, you know, like holidays is like a great example, like religious holidays, right? Mm. Where you've got different religions and those religions may be referenced in a media, like changing those references, transforming them into, into a sort of maybe a similar reference or completely stripping away that, that reference um, when you move it from one place to another, you know? Mm. So, so for example, like a Christmas versus like a winter holiday or whatever, right? Like, yeah. you know, take it, Christmas does not, you know, if you're not, if it's not a Christian country or a Christian culture, Christmas is not a thing, um, but you can sort of transform it and localize it by turning it into something that is about, you know, a winter holiday. For winter example. festival. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and sometimes you might find that actually games, do that before they even are in one like if they're yeah. if it's a game that's designed to be international especially nowadays games will start like that to like yes. save the effort of localizing a game yeah. from one to another but some games you, you that's not a thing because no. it is inherent to the game and it does actually need to be sort of worked in and transformed mm. and, and worked in equivalently in another culture it's a really interesting point that i haven't actually kind of added to the notes here is that if you this is more of a modern thing like Mm. if you go back further in time this is less and less the case but yeah most games nowadays even when they are developed within the japanese sort of like game industry which is a lot more separate to the rest of sort of the gaming Mm. industry i would say they they still take a a kind of an international approach from the get-go now i would say Mm. Uh, and they are they make sure that their games can either be easily localized or are already localized or made generic enough where it's not all that important to do so yeah but sometimes they're not sometimes games are made specifically for the japanese audience and then sort of like later on brought over to the west because of like fan requirements yeah especially if it's initially a game maybe made by a smaller company or you know something that at the start they're not there's no expectation or plan you know because releasing a game internationally is obviously a huge effort Mm, in terms mm. of you know being able to publish something somewhere else and you know all of that kind of stuff is 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 massive so if you're a smaller company setting your sights on japan as a as your market you're not going to think about you know what it you know what it would be like for the rest of the world how will Uh, this work within an english culture how will this work within a french culture exactly because it's also not just japanese and english like if, if it's international that you're going to do then you've got so much more to think about especially in yeah, yeah, yeah. Like europe is a is actually a great example i don't know what it's like now but i always remember historically the reason why it took us so long to get things compared to america was because the kind of rules and requirements if you were coming over to to the uk was that you're coming over to europe and so you've also yes. got to sort everything for france and germany and you know like all the italy other italy and spain yeah. and poland and yeah so the, and there's so many different languages to translate, mm. which is definitely part of it. But all of those different countries all have different cultural norms that might need to be localized yeah, for exactly. 
So we'll, we're going to go through sort of like the the varying levels of localization that I've sort of uh, identified because mm. I think I think it's important and they're not necessarily always bad and they are sometimes required to different extents but I feel they do come in different intensities. Mm. Um, so in the lightest sense it's usually just about contextualizing statements or dialogue, mm. right? And I, and I mean this, this kind of goes back to the whole idea of the direct and artistic translations, right? Because if you take a, a, a sentence, say in Japanese, and you just translate it, even accurately you translate it so it works well enough, you still have to sort of localize the context that that, situ- that dialogue has been hmm. said within to make it make sense within the English language, for example. Because the Japanese language doesn't use... in. It, it uses a lot more context. Mm. Like they don't use as much tense verbs, for example. Like you wouldn't have to say like an, something to to indicate that you're talking about a previous interaction or a future interaction because the context would convey that meaning mm. naturally. Mm. Whereas in English you would say, oh, well, you know, yesterday's lunch, for example, you might say or mm. something, you know. And, and that wouldn't necessarily be caught in translation or if it is, you even then you might have to change the scene ever so slightly to just reflect that change in in translation mm. you know and i would say that would be the the most obviously useful way of using localization in a soft manner mm. in a way in which doesn't really impact on the overall experience or the original content but makes it accessible to an audience outside of the original language right basically making the making the text easy to understand mm. right and like as easy to understand as it would be when it's in japanese but also flow naturally too not yes, just it can be understood yeah. but also still flow and and work within the context right. of yeah, the yeah, scene yeah. or whatever it is that you're you're consuming at the time within the air yeah it's interesting because it's it's a challenge right because you're almost writing it again you know if, if in of. some situations you're going to be you know and it's and it's going to be subtle stuff it's not going to be stuff that you can just really obviously spot when skimming mm. a script you know there's going to be little bits of nuance here and there yes you know especially yeah. in a in a word heavy game you know like an rpg or, or yeah so, you know yeah. something very story driven um there's a that's a real challenge to like ensure that continuity throughout the whole script and that is why it's so important that when this is done it's done with very skilled translators and a localization team you know and even though i rag on people a lot because they don't always do the job that i want them to do it's still a very hard job mm. you know there's, there's, it's such a difficult task to go through and like you say some of these games can be like you know 40 plus hours long sometimes more like you know i know you played like xenoblade chronicles 2 for example the game that kicked this off for me like 100 hours of mm. content yeah, and that yeah, could yeah. have been more i'm sure there's copy everywhere right like it's just all over the place <laughs> you know so you've got to you've got to go through all of that text all of it and make sure that it's translated and localized properly so that's just a gargantuan task so mm. sometimes things do slip through the nets but then also localization can then be used in a more intentional way as well for example it can be used to rework an entire statement to better fit within the cultural understandings and memes of whatever language is receiving it the example i used here there was a really good example on the the website legends of localization i I highly recommend you check them out they Mm. are really great basically what we're talking about now but like sort of deep diving into individual like games and like examples of this Mm. really great website and i use that for some good referencing for here they, the humor, for example, in Japanese is very reliant on on wordplay and double meanings, like mm. kind of like puns in a way, yeah. but sort of not quite the same. It's almost it's almost more artistic and fluid than puns are. I don't know. It's, mm. it's sort of hard to describe, but it 
is a result of it. If you just translate it, it doesn't work at all. Mm. You have mm. to, you'd have to localize a joke from Japanese into English because it just doesn't work. So in the example that I use in this website is that they had like a particular character from the, do you remember the old dot hack games? Mm-hmm. Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they were, they're quite well known for being fairly badly translated and localized, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but like in the context of this particular scene, there's a scene where this, this comedian character is like telling some jokes. And the idea in Japanese is these telling these jokes, that sort of like puns and play on words and the words sort of sound like each other. So that's kind of why it's supposed to be funny, even though it's kind of a, kind of a, a five-year-old level joke, you know, it's, but it's, that's the idea of it. But it, because when they translated it, they didn't quite get how they were supposed to kind of get that across to an English audience. They just sort of like remove the jokes entirely. We'll leave a, a link to, for you to go and have a look at the example yourself because it's not really interesting if I just describe it. But it just doesn't work at all. Like it really, really doesn't work. So as a result of it, the joke is no longer a joke and it just feels awkward. And then like the way the characters react to the scene just doesn't feel right and it feels very out of place. Like he tells these jokes that are actually just like basic statements and then characters start leaving unnecessarily. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, why are you leaving? Like it's not obvious in English why that's the case. Mm -hmm. And this is where sometimes you do need to localize something outside of the original content because otherwise it just doesn't work. You're almost making new content in that situation, yes, right? You you've got to you've got to come up with some fresh jokes. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of the idea, isn't it? Like, so rather than trying to make that joke work in English, which you just won't, make a joke. Yeah. You know, make make a pun. Use use a bad pun because that's the same sort of vibe of what's been going for in the in the mm. game. Yeah. You know, you could just have the the character saying something about like how grass is green because it smells, but those words are very very similar in japanese they all sound quite similar in in like the phonetics of them mm-hmm. but instead you could say something along the lines of like oh well like the grass is green because it's it's new grass fresh you like green in the sense that like it's like a green and, and right. unexperienced yeah, yeah, yeah. you can make a joke along those sorts of lines is the the example that someone in the comments gave on that website and that would work because it, it maintains the same vibe mm. the same sort of like idea and conveyance of of the message of this comedian's really bad <laughs> um <laughs> but while also still getting across that it's still supposed to be a joke right exactly that in those instances localizing say content to to better fit an environment be it the language or the culture can be important you know then beyond that you can get kind of like to change in the entire core product, mm. like really, really alter. We've, we kind of touched on this a little bit already. Um, and this is sort of like where you get like a huge swaths of changes to the games being made. So you already touched on the idea of like changing certain cultural elements, like for mm. example, holidays. Uh, I use the example of Animal Crossing, like the original Animal Crossing yes. games had like the, the New Year's festival within mm. Japanese, which just doesn't exist in English. Yep. And so in later iterations of the game, they changed it to just be like you said, like the winter festival. Well, that's, that's like what's interesting, isn't it? Is that when they localized the original Animal Crossing, it was a, okay, well, this game currently has these holidays in, we need to change them. But now coming back to our point about sort of internationalization, they just do that from the word go. Yes, they do. Because it's designed yeah. to be like that. Yes. And, and that's... Although that is changing a large portion of the game itself, that's still, you can understand why you would do that potentially. Mm. Like for someone that maybe knows Japanese culture, it wouldn't be a problem, but a large proportion of your, your, your customer base isn't going to. No, and they're going to be alienated by that. Yes, yes, exactly. That's the word for it. So it's not that big of a problem as long as it doesn't really change sort of like the original intention of flow, just again with the same with Mm. the jokes of the game. 
And then you can also potentially need to change entire sentences of characters' dialogues. Uh, and there's loads of different reasons for this. Sometimes it might be to like change problematic elements of a character or what they're saying, and mm. we'll come onto that in a little bit. Other times it's maybe to change the character's dialogue to better fit with changes that have previously been mm. made within the game for yeah. other reasons, just to basically help make a consistent character or a consistent flow of conversation. Mm. That's the tricky ones, right? That's the ones that, that slip through the cracks, you know, like changes, butterfly effects. Yeah, things, changes yeah. based on other changes. I also like there's, think about, I, one of my favorite examples is Pokemon. Mm-hmm. where the way that the text worked in the old games is that you had like two lines available to you and you really couldn't write a lot of text and you know it was sort of like multiple pages and things like the names of pokemon and stuff like that like had like fixed amounts of length and all of that kind mm. of thing and so you had to actually like you would you would have to fit like technical requirements of mm. you know the okay well text is displayed in this way in 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 Japanese and it's that's very different right it's like pictographic yes. uh, and if you if the game engine has been designed with that in mind that can be really difficult you know mm. or think about 3D assets maybe in game that mm. have you know pictographic text on them you often actually see that in in many games that doesn't get changed because yeah. it's it's a real challenge to like w- work a new texture into the game yeah, yeah, yeah. right like they just don't bother um, especially if the localization is limited to like script rather than yes actual game like, itself you've yeah. not got a 3d artist on the localization team no, to exactly like fix yeah. all of the signs that are in japanese all they have access to is like you say the text files that mm. determine the script of the game yeah, yeah. So, so that's a very big part of it as well, where you might have to change a character's sort of dialogue or, or not even just character dialogue it might be menu dialogues mm, or yeah, something yeah you yeah know. definitely Another element, again, this is another aspect that we'll come on to later and probably in a future episode, because this is a whole topic in itself. Sometimes you might have to change the dialogue of a scene to fit the length of the scene. Mm. This is more prominent in like voice acted scenes. Yeah. Because if it's just in text, it doesn't make a difference. You can kind of just skip it forward when the sentence is finished. But if a sentence is being voice acted, then sometimes the voice actor will need to sort of like make a sentence longer to fit in the time period that the game is given for that original character in Japanese to say. Yeah. Because oftentimes I find that even though the Japanese language in terms of written form can actually be very concise in the way it's presented, the way in which it's spoken, I often find English is more concise to be spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can usually fit more information in a shorter period of time, typically. Yeah. So there might be there might be times when you would have to pad out a sentence to make it fit mm. the length of, say, the lip flaps of a character who yeah. is talking. I think with localization, when people think about localization in kind of the the news the video game news and culture, a lot of it is very negative, right? And I think the Mm. primary negative reason, which we've only touched on a little bit so far, is around censorship, right? And is around around fitting with changes in regulations between different countries or just what is like acceptable to a Mm. culture or not acceptable, you know, in, in terms of whether it's language or visuals or, or whatever it is, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff there. And sometimes it can be really subtle stuff. Like, Mm. for example, like, I find in Japanese, they aren't quite as fussed about things like swear words Mm. or rude gestures and things like that, like minor vulgarity, I put it as. And their regulation board, Cero, often allows them sort of slightly more leeway in that sort of thing than you would say in the PEGI or the ESRB rating boards Mm -hmm. of America and Europe. 
So, and that sort of thing, that that is still technically a form of censorship now at that point, because you're removing something to censor people from seeing something mm. rather than changing to better fit the story of a, of a language. Yeah, it's not it's not to make the game better. It's to it's to fit regulations, right? Yeah. And, and I don't mind that necessarily. Like, if it makes it so that like, they can sell it to a younger audience, but it doesn't really impact the overall game itself. Like, if they remove an instance where a character gives sort of a rude gesture to someone, I don't care. That's fine. Just mm. just make it seem so that they're, like, you know, aggressive towards the person rather than rude mm. towards the person. So that's fine. But then there are more aggressive changes that are made on the sort of the grounds of censorship, which are starting to sort of really impact the original core product now. Um, things like changing, say, sex and nudity within a game, mm. which is quite a big thing in Japan. Like, the, the way in which sort of like erotic content is displayed in Japan is very different to how it's displayed in the Western world mm, mm. And, and also consumed differently as well. Yeah. So oftentimes like that's why you'll find some Japanese games are quite like quite lewd in a lot of ways mm. and kind of and kind of raunchy um beyond what you'd expect. And that often gets censored quite heavily, even today, like even yeah. in 2020 in get modern games that are being sold with sort of like the you know the Japan fan, like the otaku sort of like a fandom in mind mm. they still would censor it other things are things like excessive violence and drug use etc and and those things are again they're mostly done for rating board reasons but also because sometimes different countries just have different like levels of acceptance on those things mm, yeah you know like for example and this is me being very broad, so I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. I really am. But like, uh, there's going to be cultures, say, for example, maybe like Arabic cultures that just don't have any acceptance of drug use at all. Like it's mm. zero tolerance. So it's just taken out the game entirely, potentially, mm. you know. So although it, again, is a form of censorship, maybe it's okay, maybe it's not. And this is sort of where like the negative elements of things come in, like you said, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's sort of that. It feels to me that the primary conflicts there... And I don't necessarily know if I agree with the conflicts, but the primary conflict is sort of like, you know, wanting to sell games, more copies of a game, you know, and making it available to more people in some ways to enjoy versus the sort of purest attitudes of you yeah. know, wanting to consume something how it originally was. And I think that largely speaking, I don't really see how it how that kind of censorship makes a huge difference to a mm. to a game or a, or you know I'm sure there are some situations where yeah it does like fundamentally change the game mm. for the worse but but in the broadest strokes I think most of the time it doesn't yeah. you know and I think it's more I think it's more important that to to be able to experience that game in some form and you know it than not yeah uh, and I think that. Yeah, I think the negativity around it is largely unnecessary compared Maybe some to... some people die on the hill unnecessarily. Yeah, I think so. Compared to, like, doing it badly, which I think is kind of like a shame or a missed opportunity <laughs> where, like, yeah. localization in general is done wrong. Um, that's sort of, like... That feels like a more of a, a missed thing than just some extra censorship, right? Mm. Other sort of small, like, little things I wanted to mention, which I still kind of find are funny, are, like, removal of things like religious symbols mm -hmm. and references within games. Like, I mean, old school Nintendo was really bad for that, wasn't it? Like, yeah. you know, like, you'd have games that were very obviously about religious concepts, potentially, like Castlevania, for example. Yeah, yeah. And they just remove, like, every religious element they possibly yeah. can. I find it funny that Yu-Gi-Oh! The card game still does this, even really? today. Like, yeah, like, in the card arts of anything that has sort of, like, a cross in it, maybe, for example, mm. they'll change it to something that's non-religious. Um, and I just kind of find it interesting that that sort of, that is still hung over from, like, the 20-plus years the game's been mm -hmm. going, which I find, I've kind of found is interesting. 
Um, occasionally as well, you'll also find that maybe there'll be a dissociation with the real world. Like sometimes games are set in a real world location, like Japan, for example. This then leads on to the, our, our next sort of little topic about it. And they'll sort of disassociate it and they'll make it so that the game is like not really set anywhere or it's set like in a random, like non specific generic town mm. or something. This is less prevalent in modern games, I've found. This is definitely more of an older game thing, mm. but it still does sometimes happen. Uh, why? Good question. Um, <laughs> it's basically the publisher going, we don't like this for some reason because the person in charge has a bias against this or something. I don't know. But that then leads into like the, the, the times when it's a pretty extreme sense of localization, which is basically just changing games entirely, like mm. really just completely reworking games. I guess this doesn't happen as much now as it used to, right? Like no. it feels like this is kind of an older, an older phenomenon around localization. It is, and I think that's primarily because we already touched on this earlier. The idea of like it used to be a case of bringing the content as just content to co-opt. Mm. whereas now it's being brought over as is because a large part of the fan base wants that content specifically um this is very much true of how like all anime were brought over as well in terms mm. of like saturday morning cartoons um a really good example within the uh, gaming industry is the old shin megami tensai games like mm. the games that sort of like spawned the persona set, set of games right which is ironic because persona 5 are some of the best localization mm. of any game i've yeah, ever played yeah. which is really interesting but in like the old i think it's shin megami tensai 2 on the playstation but i could be wrong there quote me if i'm wrong viewers sending a message um <laughs> where they they changed it entirely so it was set in america rather than set in japan all the characters names were changed to like generic like english sounding names mm. um i think they even made one character black intentionally right like who wasn't black he was just like a japanese student uh, I like they changed so much about the game to the extent where it was just this like mashed up hacked together mess mm -hmm. you know and it not it doesn't even resemble the original product whilst also still aping the original product it's not even like it's not even like what the next set of sections we were talking about how like they take a game and turn it into another game how they change say Doki Doki Panic into Super Mario Brothers 2 mm. they weren't trying to make it into a different game they they it was the same game but just butchered mm -hmm. you know this is i think where you get the most amount of backlash from fans specifically when they do things like this yeah this is what i call the jelly donut effect from like the old pokemon episodes where they were eating rice balls but brock called them jelly donuts <laughs> do you not know that one i did not know that one no that that's what the internet refers to it as oh, that's really funny. the jelly donut effect um because they always used to use onigiri and they mm. didn't want to explain why on earth would someone be eating a rice ball for, for a snack <laughs> so they were eating jelly donuts <laughs> not even joking that's really good but, and, and we've kind of that's kind of all the different elements of localization i find mm. um and a lot of these things are very dependent on different aspects like we've already mentioned the idea that all the games were more subject to this in the first place and co-opting things into different products um also, I find that at these points, games were treated more as toys, disposable toys, rather than like art forms, like say books or movies or something, that then was to be sort of enjoyed in its original way. Um, I think this has changed over time because like the gaming community sort of like was very young and wasn't even seen as sort of like a thing, I would say, sort of like in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. when this was sort of like in its early infancy. And nowadays, like, I don't feel majority of the community would be accepting of that level of change. I think it would just not get purchased. And yeah. It would just have a huge amount of, like, public backlash. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just not necessary anymore, really, no. is it? Another aspect to keep in mind as well, and we kind of touched on it too, but is who's fronting the bill? Hmm. Like, it, this is not a cheap process. You've got to hire 
a team of people for a relatively long period of time like some games like you say 100 hours plus worth of content that you've got to translate and localize and whoever's paying the bill they kind of have like the the last say on things right yeah <laughs> so, exactly yeah and also how much budget they've got for that you know yeah, like to yeah. that, like it depends on how far down the rabbit hole you can go like obviously that you we've already we've talked about so much level of scale here you know and and some of it takes a lot more time than others and that that sort of sums up what localization is, right? Mm. And I appreciate that that's taking a much longer time than the translation side of things, but I think it's a more nuanced subject matter. I also appreciate that we've not really touched on any sort of like actual examples of good and bad translation, really. Mm. Um, <laughs> and this is sort of why I wanted this to be sort of an introduction episode and really kind of talk about the inner workings of translation versus localization mm. and the ups and downs of things. Are we thinking that we're going to pick out some specific examples to sort of dissect some more in a, in a future episode. Is yeah, that kind of I mean, plan? we sort of already mes- me- uh, mentioned a couple of games, mm. right? And the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is the one that I really want to talk about because yes. for me, it's such an interesting topic. Mm. And for example, Persona 5 is mm. sort of the antithesis of that, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Both of which are made by very Japanese-based developers like mm. monolith soft and atlas you know they're not like they are international companies obviously but they're not international companies say like nintendo is an international company no. you know uh so it was definitely made with the japanese market in mind initially but they've they have approached the situation both in very drastically different yeah. ways and it's interesting because both games have been generally well received not by you mm. but by by <laughs> most by most people they've been well received so it's quite an yeah. interesting one because it's there is a lot of nuance there it's not you know this game's bad this game's good mm. they're both actually good but like you say go about the kind of localization and translation in very different mm. ways yes definitely the only other thing that we haven't touched on this episode which i kind of feel is important to clarify but i think we can make a whole episode about as well is talking about the effect that voice work has on all this mm, yes like like we said like voice acting makes all of this even more complicated mm. because not only are you having to change a script but you know you have to change the way in which voice actors perform said scripts yeah exactly we've focused very heavily on kind of text and, and maybe mm. visual aspects you know like you said about things sort of removing you know uh, religious references in, in visual graphics and stuff like that but you're right we've not really touched on too much on on the sort of voice work and, and the challenges around around that as well and that's a whole topic of discussion in itself. So mm. we're, ge- we're not going to touch on that too much today. All I'm going to say is that a good voice acting team can have their efforts ruined by bad localization. Mm. Yeah. But also uh, a good localization effort can also then be ruined by poor voice acting. Yeah, absolutely. So both are kind of intertwined with each other. But I think that that's another topic of discussion itself. Mm. So we'll, we'll have that another day, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I hope that's been relatively interesting and not too ranty um (laughs) no it's interesting sort of i think like you know setting the scene of some of the nuance and it'll be interesting to kind of dissect some real examples of this a little bit Mm. more like you say we've touched on a few bits and pieces here and there but we can sort of go into some more detail and really see um the differences and you'll probably you know be going away uh, spotting Mm. this a lot more already in when you're playing when you're playing the next game and you're like oh yeah i I can see like that how this has been changed or you know i wonder what this was like like when it was in the when it was in japanese for example mm, yeah 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 the, it's a, once you start noticing it it's kind of hard to not notice yeah. it which yeah, is so actually sorry maybe a bad we've thing, actually just maybe? ruined everything potentially <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, you with xenoblade chronicles too like oh, when you talked to I, me about it and i was like but i, I like that game <laughs> but i really like the game i was like yeah but there's problems no, no, no. But, <laughs> this that that's it's so interesting to talk about mm-hmm. and, I, and i really like that you can have such a cool not necessarily even 
a right or wrong conversation no, about it yeah. because like you said that blade is a good example in the sense that i i have a lot of problems with it but i can also see why a lot of people really like it mm, too mm. you know uh, and it's a lot comes down to personal preference and why those personal mm. preferences developed as they have mm. is a really interesting point of view to discuss too so yeah but if you if you liked that and you got some interesting like things you want us to talk about as part of this sort of topic of localization translation sort of thing please let us know give us some feedback because this has been a bit of a different style of episode four is um you know a bit of a bit of an in-depth look into a, an, a into a niche section of the gaming uh, industry mm, yeah absolutely get in touch with us give us your feedback and thoughts um you can email us show at octal.fm or you can tweet us at octal fm or you can facebook us i'm getting higher and higher pitched facebook.com forward slash octal fm and i wanted to also say just again thank you to the, the website legends of localization mm. really really good website we'll, really great resource for this sort of thing we'll put a link in the show notes yeah, so you can go and have a, have a read of that um i fell down a bit of a rabbit hole like because i i discovered them whilst doing the research for this episode mm. and then i spent hours just reading through their content because <laughs> it was really good mm. so i highly recommend going and checking them out uh, and giving their content a read it's really interesting stuff if this episode has been interesting to you so nice. good stuff go and check it out Excellent. but thank you for uh for for st- sticking with us on this one uh and thank you Jal, for putting up with me on this particular episode no no it's good it's been interesting Nice. We'll be back with another episode of this sort of topic in in the future fairly soon. It's not gonna. We're gonna try and break it up with the normal episodes too. We're not yes. gonna try and do this in one lump. So uh, stick around. Keep keep. Make sure that you you're followed and you're reviewed and all the rest of it mm, and, yeah. and all give that. Give us a like. Give us a star. Uh, give us a and, follow. And get some stickers as a return. In yep. return, if you do, absolutely. Um, but until then, I've been Saffron and I've been Gelada. And catch us again for another Octal FM episode very soon. that little bit last Another up there, but I, I did but it was not technically incorrect it's <laughs> yeah, fine it's true, it's true.